0: Hello and welcome to National League Town, Mets fandom, Mets history, Mets life, with Long Island's own Greg Prince and
1: Jeff Heisen. Hey, Greg. Greetings from the sunshine state of our minds. Happy spring training, Jeff. Ah, spring. Ah, spring indeed. Can you believe it? We've uh, finally made it through winter, at least in the baseball sense. Uh, the fellas are back. The boys are back in town. The town is Port St. Lucie. The Mets are going to start stretching and they're going to uh, start checking in. We're going to be seeing baseball in some capacity pretty soon. So tell me, my friend, what is your vibe? This is a vibe check, as they say, your mood, your level of confidence, your level of concern. Are you worried? Are you excited? What's in your mind about 2023 Mets baseball as spring training begins I'm
0: excited all of us should be I want to say all of us every baseball fan even if you're a Reds fan or a Pirates fan it's spring training if you're not excited now when are you going to be this is a 101 win team but they're even better than last year now how much better is up to you but they are better Verlander Replaces DeGrom in our minds, but Verlander as of now is healthy. And if he takes the mound anytime before August, that's an improvement over what DeGrom gave us. Last year's team gave us 101 wins. Van Graf has them projected for 94, tied for first place with Atlanta. DraftKings has them at 94 and a half and the favorite to make it to the World Series from the National League. How can you not be excited if you want to find ways to be negative. They didn't pick up a power bat. You and I talked about that last October, but they are better than last year. I'm revved
1: up, I'm excited. Are you? I'm excited even though they're not a 101 win team. They're a zero win team right now, but that's the uh, the beauty. We're going to be filling in the win column. Unfortunately, we'll be filling in a little bit of the lost column as well. I'm excited that I I can believe that this is a team that is going to win more games than it loses, which is pretty basic as far as having confidence but I always start there am I rooting for a team that I can count on winning more than it loses and I think that looks pretty good with the caveat that they haven't played a damn game yet but neither is anybody else is this a team that can contend for the playoffs we'd have to be really in a bad mood to say no of course they're going to contend for the playoffs they'll certainly get I don't know to the All Star Break, and we'll say this team looks good, uh, or at least this team has a chance. But let's let's be honest: we're looking at a better team than that. I don't like to get too I don't like to get too overconfident, as you can tell. But uh, the the thing that excites me right now is just seeing it all unfold, seeing it all happen. Just the silly little things, like uh, the video clip of Eduardo Escobar uh, greeting the new hitting coach or assistant hitting coach. Forgive me if I don't remember all the titles, Eric Hinsky, because they. They were together in Arizona at some point and just those, hey, you're back. I know you. It's the first day of school or the the first day of preschool, you might say. Uh, I just feed off of that. And as one player after another shows up, you know, there's always just like this little bulletin that flashes across your consciousness or your social media feed and it, it just gets you revved up uh, you know well before you start to kind of lose patience with the whole process because uh, as alan iverson said long ago we're talking about practice so you know we're talking about a couple of weeks of stretching and uh, loosening up and then we're talking about the games that don't count but but I don't want to go there just yet i just want to soak in the arrivals and the saint Lucie datelines and the reports Again, inconsequential stuff, but for the moment, it's baseball in February. Is there an element of this spring training, general or specific, that you're looking forward to most? Let's go back to October and
0: one of our first postseason shows. We talked about the fact that they failed in the offseason, and we wondered, would they start looking ahead in 2023? That's what I'm looking for. Is there a fire? Is there a hunger? with this team or are they saying we're definitely going to make the playoffs we're ready for the season but we're already thinking about october you can't be that way because then the season gets away from you you have to play the game that's in front of you but sometimes a team that had a has a failure in the postseason starts looking ahead too early so i'm looking at whether or not there's a hunger in this year's team from their comments, from their on-the-field play?
1: Yeah, I would I would have to think there'd be a hunger because beautiful as 101 wins were, and we've, we've repeated the number, we've heard the number repeated to us, they didn't win what they set out to win last year. I have to believe, especially with the maturity of the bulk of this roster, that they know there's still work to be done. I think back to the Chicago Bears after they won the Super Bowl and they had, you know, the world at their feet. But now, okay, go go do that again. Go to the Super Bowl Shuffle again. All the things that made that team, you know, so singular and amazing. And Mike Ditka, the coach, passes out uh, T-shirts that say "Are you satisfied?" for everybody to wear in camp. Jim McMahon, the punky QB, uh, he uh, takes a magic marker and writes on the back of his shirt. Hell yes, I'm satisfied. Well, the Bears have not won a Super Bowl since then. Can't blame Jim McMahon for all of that. But, you know, that sort of thing is bound to set in when you've reached the pinnacle. Well, guess what? The Mets did not reach the pinnacle in 2022. They thought they had a real good chance. We thought they had a real good chance. There's nothing for them to be blasé about. I certainly hope that as professionals, as athletes, as guys who just love competing, uh, because that's what they do that will set them up and, and send them forth. So no, there there is no looking forward. That the phrase World Series or bus always bothers me because unless you are at the World Series, you don't deserve to say that just yet. It's it's not helpful. So I, I I see what you're looking at and and I I'm gonna look forward to uh, again, in between the, uh, the guy shaking hands and, uh, doing bro hugs and all the other things that, that make it fun to see spring training, uh, come into view. I guess I'll be listening for what these guys have to say. And, 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 you know, if I hear like, yeah, you know, we are just looking to set our rotation <laughs> for October, uh, then I'll be worried. I don't, I don't want to be worried. I don't think you want to be worried, but you know, we're fans. Uh, is there something about this particular spring training? Has your, uh, you Your antennae raised.
0: This is the year of new rules. There's no shift. There's number of throws to first base. There's pitch timers. Buck knows the rules better than anybody, including the umpires. Not that that's a high bar. Buck wants to impart his knowledge to the players. Well, 10 of his projected 26 players will be absent for about two weeks. Buck's not happy about this. I'm not happy about this. I'd rather have the players in camp learning under Buck, practicing with the new rules, but instead 10 of the projected 26 will arrive. If they have not arrived already at camp, they'll practice with the new rules for a few days. They'll play a few games under the new rules and they'll go to their respective WBC camps and play under 2022 rules. I want them with the Mets, but instead, the entire starting infield will be gone. You have three new pitchers that won't be working with Jeremy Hefner, Eliezer Hernandez, Brooks Raley, and Jose Quintana. You have Omar Novaez, A new catcher won't be there, and I'm astounded at this. Why isn't he going to be working with his pitching staff? Instead, he'll be with the, his WBC team. Diaz and Otavino will also be gone, and as Buck said, You worry when guys start their clock up that quickly, but the WBC is good for the game. I am told, which is Buck's way of saying I'd rather have them in camp. I would too. And the WBC as exciting as it is, it's supposed to be good for the game, but I'm more concerned with the Mets. So that's what I'm thinking about.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that as an issue. I wouldn't say I learned to stop worrying and love the WBC by any means, but it's a fact of spring life every few years. And it is considered good for the game. And it does get not only fans excited around the world, it gets the players excited. The fact that the players want to do this is is where I think I sort of gave up on the idea of everybody get back to St. Lucie where you belong, which is one of those things you have to roll with. The fact that we've got changes in rules and you're going to be seeing players not learning those rules again i'm I'm sure they can catch up but you know what what do we have spring training for if not to get you ready and if you have something that is fundamentally changing aspects of the game why wouldn't you want to be there but i also understand the idea of playing for your country and playing with your countrymen playing with perhaps players you grew up with who you've never played with before professionally. And this is a big deal. And MLB has made it a big deal. Every single year that there's been a WBC, some team has gone on to win the World Series. And those teams no doubt had players who participate in the WBC, which tells me that there is some getting around this, that there is a learning curve that is attacked and tackled and conquered yeah it's gonna be weird when we start watching games and the infield is barren because like you said our uh, our starting infield won't be there well you know there'll be four players in their place yeah i can't help but uh, I, I don't want to say concern because again it's there they're they know about it they're they're accounting for it if i can play the old man card here we didn't need no wbc when i was a kid and everything was fine <laughs> so don't get hurt that's all I ask don't get hurt playing for your country and having a ball and you, you said exciting it is exciting these are these are good games and it's fun to be introduced to different styles of playing and different players you wouldn't know about otherwise but we don't work for MLB we're Mets fans and we want to see the Mets get ready to be the Mets let's get through the WBC is probably the best way of uh, of looking at that as long as we're being oh dear what can go wrong like you said The team that won 101 games last year and appears to be improved or at least no worse. Nevertheless, is there a player you're kind of worried about a little bit in terms of, wow, he was so good last year. Is he going to level off this year?
0: How about Max Scherzer? His last two starts for the Mets last season did not go well. That's left a bad taste in our mouths. Let's see how he looks this year. In 2022, he was playing to make a good first impression for the Mets fans. Next year, he'll be playing for his subsequent contract. What's he going to be like this year, especially coming off those two bad starts? Is he distracted? He just had a fourth child. Mazel Tov to Max and Erica. And by the way, great timing. That's a pro move by Erica, getting the baby out before spring training starts. No distractions. No distractions. He's not going to miss any time. Well done, Erica Scherzer. But I'm concerned about Max Scherzer because of the way last season ended. You?
1: I have absolutely no idea if this is true, but I'm thinking at some point the uh, the Scherzer kids around the, uh, the dinner table might ask, Mommy, how come we were all born in winter? Except for Joey over there, who was born during the All-Star break. Guy who I'm, I'm not really worried about per se, as in I don't think he's going to implode, but I just wonder if he was as good as he was last year, how could he possibly be as good as this year? It's Edwin Diaz. And I'm not by any means regretting the uh, re-signing of Edwin Diaz. There, I don't think there's a better alternative. I, I think the guy has, has found his stride, all of that stuff. But you sometimes come away from a season where a player is at such a peak that you just expect it now automatically. Coming out of 2019, Pete Alonso hit 53 home runs, I spent that entire winter and early spring before 2020 became 2020 thinking, well, Pete Alonso is unstoppable. Who knows how many home runs he's going to hit. He he struggled a bit when they got back to playing baseball in 2020, and he struggled a bit, even though the numbers came around in 2021. And it turns out he's a great slugger. He hasn't hit 53 home runs every year, and it feels like a, a leveling off that, gee, I, I sure wish. He was hitting 53 home runs again once in a while. That crosses my mind. You know, I felt that way after Doc Gooden won, won 24 games in a second year. Like, well, I was going to win 30 next year. I was serious. Well, that was crazy. Uh, you know, that was the year he won 17 while battling addiction, probably. It felt like a letdown. So Edwin Diaz, you looked forward to Edwin Diaz coming into games. Not just, oh, God, I hope we can get through the ninth inning, but, you know, the trumpets and everything else about it. He's bound to have a couple of blown saves along the way and you just hope it doesn't snowball again this is one of those i, th- I think years from now when we talk about ideal relief seasons we're going to say remember edwin diaz in 2022 why can't we have somebody like that if the next best thing is edwin diaz in 2023 i guess it'll be okay well let's try to turn that around then uh, is there somebody here somebody in camp whether they're uh, running to wbc or not You're looking for, let's say, a breakout, let's say, to to really uh, come through in a way they haven't before.
0: I'm going to say Jeff McNeil because he will do it two years in a row. Some people are saying he can't be the champion of batting, as you put it, two years in a row. He can't be that good. I say he can. People are saying, well, he was great against the shift. I think he makes such good contact or in the phrasing of some people in the game, bat-to-ball skills. His contact is so sharp that he'll be able to adjust because they're not shifting, even though they shifted last year and he did well. He'll adjust. Metsvix, the fine newsletter, said about him, players who don't chase pitches out of the zone generally age better than players who make a lot of contact. He's a year older. I think he's going to be a year better. And I don't think having that new long-term contract is going to affect him. Plus, the bases are bigger. And he busts it out of the box when he smells a hit. The base is a few inches closer. He's going to have more hits because of that. I think he's going to have a superb season.
1: Well, it could be much more superb than last year, but we'll always welcome room for improvement. I look at this, the idea of a breakout being maybe a guy who isn't already at that level. I'll throw two names, one with something behind it and one just out of curiosity. But something behind it, Tomas Nito, now or never, You know, looked at as at the very least part of a starting platoon and starting more often than not, I think for the first time he's not the backup catcher show that you can hit, show that you're not Kevin Ploeki with better bunting skills. I think I'm Kevin Ploiecki. I just read he's going to the Pirates camp. He's knocked around since having been a Met and being drafted in the first round more than 10 years ago. Let's see if Nito is more than he has been. I hope to be confident of that. But for a pitcher in here that I know next to nothing about, except I've seen his name so often, John Curtis coming off of I think it's Tommy John you pick up guys and, and you hear that oh yeah he's he's here he's rehabbing I know like, like I said next to nothing about him but my, my instinct here when I'm talking about like a pitcher who might be useful is always to say Drew Smith I think I've said it for the last five years so I'm just looking for a different name to be honest with you uh he's just a guy I know nothing about who has a little bit of major league background so yeah I'll keep an eye on him
0: Drew Smith is being spoken about now or never season for him. I think uh, that's a good one to look
1: out for. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you you turn around as a fan and, and certain guys have just, they just feel like they just got here and you realize they have five five or so years, you know, I don't know what the service time adds up to when they're sent down, but suddenly, oh my God, that guy's been here since Mickey Callaway. Let's think about, you know, some of the guys we were bringing in for the first time. Uh, we've seen the press conferences, we've seen the photoshopping of them in uniforms, but now what about a Met who you're just, Oh wow, he's on the Mets now. Well, what we excited to see in, in that regard.
0: Before we talk about on the field, let's talk about in the announcers booth. I'm excited to hear Pat McCarthy and Keith Rad move into the radio booth. Wayne Randazzo goes to the Angels, the TV booth. Maybe we'll still hear him on Peacock broadcasts. Rad from the Brooklyn Cyclones will be Howie's number two this year, Pat McCarthy will be the pre- and post-game show host, and we'll fill in for Howie, because Howie will miss about a quarter of the games. We wish Howie all the best with his health issues. Rad, we don't know anything about him. We do know a little bit about McCarthy, because we know his father. Pat McCarthy is a Nepo announcer, and we were not very fond of Tom McCarthy, but the sins of the father can't be passed on to the son in all cases, so we wish Pat McCarthy all the best as well.
1: Yeah, it it helps to have a familiar last name sometimes uh, to get a foot in the door. Boy, I'll never forget this. 1990, Bob Murphy had begun taking off the occasional horribly hot road trip in the middle of summer to Chicago and St. Louis because he was getting up there and the traveling was hard and they had used Howie as a fill-in guy already because these were the days of you know young Gary Cohn and Bob Murphy and the Mets or WFAN or whoever owned WFAN at the time thought you know what would be clever why don't we get because we're going to St. Louis and Chicago why don't we get the son of Jack Buck and the son of Harry Carey to sit in with Gary Cohn and they they used at the time two voices unknown to us, Joe Buck and Chip carey for a series apiece. And what I mostly remember about that was Howie's reaction, either on his talk show on WFAN, or perhaps it was just a uh, line he uh, gave to one of the TV sports critics. Well, what can I tell you? My father owned a hardware store. <laughs> it certainly helps to have a father who is a Hall of Fame announcer or an established announcer, Tom McCarthy has gone on to a long career in Philadelphia as the voice of Phillies baseball and NFL, and that probably at least inspired Pat McCarthy. But like you said, even though I don't think it was really a great fit in New York for Tom McCarthy back in 06 and 07, we're not getting Tom McCarthy, we're getting Pat McCarthy. And we're getting Keith Rad. It's nice to know that they both grew up rooting for the Mets. Certainly, uh, Pat, when his father was doing Mets games, would go to Shea Stadium in a Mets jersey, Seen the pictures. And like you said, Brooklyn Cyclones uh, for Keith and also big Mets fan by his own uh, admission from uh, his Long Island's zone. Keith Rad. How can we not love him or give him the benefit of the doubt? I'll be listening extra closely, but you know what, though? I mean, I, I remember the the first night of Tom McCarthy's uh, spring training debut. And I was like, no, oh, I'm listening. I'm listening. And it's like, well, this doesn't really prove anything. It's it's the long haul that I think will will, will show us what's going on. But once you're confident that you've tuned in the, the game on the radio, even the spring training games, any, any particular players you're thinking about, or if you're watching on TV, the sight of them, they, these new guys, anybody you want to see.
0: We get to see Justin Verlander. In a Mets uniform. Think about that. He's one of the greats of the game, future Hall of Famer, and we get to see him and root for him. We knew about Scherzer from his days with Detroit and Washington, of course, and a little bit in Los Angeles. But seeing him every day made you appreciate him more. I think that's gonna happen with Verlander. I can't wait to see him in a Mets uniform.
1: Yeah, you can't can't go wrong with Verlander as a choice. I mean, he's one of those pitchers that even as you go on in life and you're not as focused on every single team the way you might have felt like you were as a kid and, and knowing who everybody is, Verlander's just one of those guys I've watched in awe when he's been with Detroit and when he's been with Houston. And I think it's easy enough because you're caught up in the day-to-day of the hot stove and like, oh my God, we lost this guy and we didn't get that guy. We got Justin Verlander. Like that just happens now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you on Verlander. I have a couple of new faces on, on the, uh, in the pitching rotation, but the guy I'm actually kind of curious to watch is Jose Quintana. Not, not because he has the track record that a Verlander has or the air of mystery that uh, Senga has, but he was a, a Met prospect at one point in his life, very early in his career a minor leaguer who has come home. And Angel Pagan, you talk about uh, moving on to the Angels, that's <laughs> Wayne Rantasio has. Angel Pagan played in Brooklyn, and he was on his way up, and the Mets let him go. He went to Chicago, and he was kind of a lost boy found and had a uh, several good years. Andy Chavez was one of those guys. The Mets signed, developed, let go made the major league somewhere else, came back. Jason Bay, although it didn't work out when he came to New York, one of those guys, you know, minor leaguer, made his debut somewhere else. I I get a kick out of the idea that it's a sort of a phantom homecoming for Jose Quintana Plus. You know, he's a lefty and has had some success. And I'm looking forward to, you know, having this sort of maturity and ability. I I will welcome him back from WBC. Listen, I don't want to risk the wrath of the thing up high here, tempting the gods of good health. We know our starters. We know, you know, who's supposed to play every day around the diamond, in the outfield. We we know our catching platoon. So we're excited about the Verlanders and the Quintanas and the Sengas. perhaps. We know to a certain degree who those guys are certainly the ones who played in North America before. Listen, it's spring training. It's about youth. It's about young players, ideally, or at least a glimpse at them We've seen some prospects get a little uh, a little shine, as they say. Uh, we've only read of some other prospects. Who's your tongue hanging out over? Who do you want to see in St. Lucie before he's sent back down, maybe?
0: Let me give you a few. Brett Beatty was in camp like a month ago. He's the number 31 overall prospect. He's the Mets number two prospect. We saw his first at bat, that home run in Atlanta, and then he didn't do so great. He'll probably be sent back, but... I'm looking forward to seeing him, especially with Escobar playing in WBC. Beatty's going to get a lot of at-bats. I want to see Kevin Parada. He was a first-round draft pick last year. Will the Mets send him back to A-ball, or will he go right to Binghamton? And how good is he? Will he be good enough that the Mets can see him in flushing in a few years so that they could move Alvarez in an Otani trade at the break? Speculating, but that I want to see Kevin Parada. And I want to see Alex Ramirez. We've read about his power. He's only 20. Keith Law said in The Athletic, Ramirez is as tooled up as any outfielder in the minors. I want to see what that means. I want to see him in action. Buck's already talked about him. Those are some of the prospects I'm looking forward to seeing.
1: Yeah, those names are definitely uh, the ones on the radar. And I don't have anything original to add other than when they drafted Kevin Parada last year. My thought was... Ooh, does this mean they can trade Francisco Alvarez? This was sight unseen, Francisco Alvarez. And nothing against Francisco Alvarez. I just thought like, well, this is our catcher of the future. Now maybe we have two of them. Then again, I was probably walking around saying the same thing, the era of Darno and Ploiecki. But you want to see your first round draft pick. Let's uh, applaud the fact that we have a first round draft pick and he hasn't been traded away because we never got to see Pete Crow Armstrong. And we never got to see the guy who went to Seattle in the Diaz, Jared Kelling. So how, how can you not be excited about that? I'm ver- I am I read the same thing you read about Ramirez. And I'm thinking, have, have we seen a an outfield prospect around here that's uh, kind of come through lately? No, we haven't. I would like to add the name of a pitching prospect, but I can't because the Mets at the moment don't seem to have that one high profile ready to go. Matt Harvey in 2012, Zach Wheeler in 2013, Noah Syndergaard in 2015. Oh boy, when are they going to be here? I'm willing to have my eyes opened. The the one name that had been circulating uh, in our collective consciousness was Matt Allen, and Matt Allen just had another setback. And again, we, I'm talking about these guys as if I know anything about them, uh, but that's the beauty of spring training, that these are names and you want to start filling in the details. So
0: let's keep an eye on Mike Vassell. The Mets sent okay. him to Arizona. He's not ready yet. They thought highly enough of him to give him uh, some extra work in the Arizona Fall League, and he was in high A last year. So let's keep an eye on him.
1: Okay. Now I'm going I'm to show you my expertise. What position does Mike Vassell play?
0: <laughs> He's a right-handed starting pitcher.
1: Okay. Hey, Mike Vassell, who, as of now, I know two things, three things. He's a right-hand starting pitcher. He was sent to the Arizona Fall League, which shows that the Mets had some confidence in him. And if you just clip off a couple letters, it's, it's Mike Vail all over again. <laughs> and Mike Vail had a 23-game hitting streak as a rookie. So, you know, I'm excited. At the end of the day, and the day the day would probably be March 29th because opening day is March 30th, I don't want anybody to get hurt. So I, I don't want to risk the wrath of the thing on high i don't want to tempt the gods of good health but we feel like we know who's going to be playing everywhere every day for the most part we know our starters around the horn in the outfield behind the plate yet it's a 26 player roster and one of the beauties of spring training is just not knowing who's going to be all 26 Uh, i think it's a little early to start filling in the blanks but people like to do that Tell me who intrigues you, what intrigues you, what roles do you think are up for grabs and what are you thinking about?
0: I'll give you four. Let's look at the right-handed DH position. They made a big trade for that at the All-Star break last year. It didn't work out. Yet somehow Darren Ruff is still with the team. Billy Epler speaks highly of him. Maybe he's just covering his tracks. Let's see how Darren Ruff does. But if he fails and will not be the right-handed DH, then who's it going to be? Will it be Beatty? I doubt it. Will it be Francisco Alvarez? We just talked about him. I would think that the Mets want to send him back to Syracuse so he can play every day. If he's the right-handed DH and third catcher, he's not going to play every day. But what if he hits five home runs this spring? He's going to get plenty of playing time, especially with Nevaez in the WBC. Let's say Alvarez hits five home runs. To put it uh, in perspective, Lindor led the Mets last spring training with four. Let's say it's five. Could he be the right-handed DH? I'm looking forward to seeing if Tommy Pham fits in there, but that's the right-handed DH spot is one of them. I'm looking forward to seeing how the bullpen is set up. Will Peterson and McGill make the team, or will they go to Syracuse to stretch out and be ready? Peterson could also be the second lefty. Will there be a second bullpen left-hander? Right now, there's just Brooks Braley, unless Peterson makes the team. I thought they might sign Andrew Chafin, but he's going to Arizona. As you wrote about, Greg, in in your Saturday column, Zach Britton is still available but the Mets don't seem to want to bring him back with Buck because he doesn't have any options and the Mets want to have options by getting players with options. Joey Lucchese, will he be the lefty? Will T.J. McFarland, a non-roster player? I'm looking forward to seeing that, how the bullpen will be set up and will there be a second lefty? And the fourth thing I'm going to be looking for, who's going to be the backup center fielder? Nimmo can't play 162. Marte, they didn't want him to play center field last year. They put him in right field, and he's also coming off the core injury. Will Marcana get some some time in center field? We'll probably see Abraham Monte, a non-roster player. He has center field experience. But who's going to be the backup center fielder? What are you looking for?
1: I'm looking for clarity. I'm looking to see what Buck sees. I'm looking to find out what happens. You're something, to me, you are a spring training maven. You have filled those seats at Thomas J. White Stadium, and it's 84 corporate names since then. You get excited by these guys when you find them, and you like to tell me about them. And I like to repeat what you say to other people so to make me sound like I know what I'm talking about. What is it that's going to get you going? What's going to make the next, shall we say, Jeff Heisen spring training all-star?
0: So let's say it's the sixth inning, and it's about two hours in. It's a hot day in Florida. And the people in the stands are going, I don't know who these people are on the field. It's time to go home. It's almost five o'clock. It's dinner time. That's what happens. That's when I'm really focused to see Broadway Danny Melnick, to see Abraham Almonte, to see TJ McFarland come out of the bullpen, to see some of the fringe players, the 4A players, I want to see if they do the little things. I want to see if they hit behind the runner, take the extra base, because that's what Buck's looking for. Those are the little things, but those are big things in Buck's eyes. And that's what I'll be looking for.
1: This is their time to shine, chance to impress. It's the middle of February. It's all sparkling and new and full of promise. Before we know it, it'll be March 30th and spring training will be over. Uh, not, Not to rush through the fun. But uh, just from, from your experience, how much of this is going to you think you're going to remember by, I don't know, April 3rd, by April 10th? You know, what, what's what stays with a person from spring training into the regular season?
0: Unless someone stands out and makes the team because they had a great spring or the Mets record is lopsided in one way or the other. At 410 on March 30th in Miami, it's mostly forgotten. But while it's here, the Mets are back in some form, even if they're strangers wearing a Mets uniform, spring training is back. And I think it's wonderful.
1: We talked about the World Baseball Classic. This is classic baseball. It's spring training. I look forward to it taking place uninterrupted, starting on time and ending on time and leading into a new season. We haven't had that in a few years. So let's enjoy this. Let's, uh, you know, not take it too seriously, but let's take it for what it's worth. So thanks for the the first trip to spring training here. It probably won't be our last.
0: And if any of our listeners are going to be at the February 28th game, send an email to nationallytown at gmail.com because I'll be there also. That's the February 28th game against the defending world champion, Houston Astros.
1: 31 Mike Piazza Drive. Let's just remember the address.
0: And before we go, it's time for the first annual National League Town Award for the best preseason baseball magazine of 2023, hard copy edition. Now, it has to be an old-fashioned magazine, not an online magazine, and it's a general baseball magazine, not a fantasy baseball magazine. We know that these magazines aren't as relevant as they once were, but remember when you, you would go to a newsstand and see many preseason magazines in late January and early February, and it would feel a little warmer because spring felt that much closer. Now you can find predictions and updates online, and they're ever-changing, and these magazines that we're talking about are out of date by the time you buy them. But it's possible you might go on an airplane and they don't have Wi-Fi, so you'll be looking for a preseason magazine, a hard copy of one. We still like them, and we want to tell you what the best one is. So Greg will tell
1: you about our first nominee, Lindy's. Lindy's Sports Baseball 2023 Preview, Regional Cover, Broadway Bright Lights, A Picture of Francisco Lindor, and some dude hitting a home run in another uniform in New York. And lots of great information, especially about third baseman Carlos Correa coming to the New York Mets. Lindy's baseball, it's got to be our, our, our first nominee because it's out there. They're putting the information in readers' hands the way we as fans have always wished to obtain it, along with all the other ways we do it. So that's nominee number one. Jeff, who are the other nominees?
0: Well, let's see. Athlon? Nope. There's no Athlon this year. Street and Smith? The Sporting News? They're out of business. In fact, Greg, unless you've seen one at the local ShopRite or CVS, I don't think there are any other nominees, which means that Lindy's wins the first annual NLT award for best preseason baseball magazine of 2023. Congratulations.
1: Congratulations, Lindy's. You did it. You you showed up. 90% of life is showing up, it has been said. And Lindy's is still out there doing the thing that we as baseball fans have relied on. I join you in thinking back to my youth, as as an old man will, remembering the excitement of these pulpy magazines that would have pictures of whoever won the MVP last year. And you'd sort of work your way up the food chain of these titles like pro sports stars or whatever they were called and you you might grab one and you look through it and see where they were picking the mets and if they pick the mets high enough you might invest the 75 cents and then you'd be thinking about the monthly magazines like sport magazine or later inside sports came along and the weekly magazines like sports illustrated all of their baseball previews and then the Sporting News, for God's sake! In addition to being the Bible of baseball and the weekly excitement of the Sporting News, they would put out a baseball yearbook, and that was a must-have in the '80s and '90s, certainly for me. And Street and Smith, which seemed to predate all of that, and wow, it's just, you know, if if you wanted to see things like oh, here's the list of like all-time triples leaders and all the active ones. Street and Smith had that. I got to have my Street and Smith. Bill Mazeroski no longer playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but published or lent his name to another super detailed magazine, oversized. You talk about getting on an airplane. In the era before there was anything called Wi-Fi or anything that you would need it for, in the movie broadcast news, William Hurt is ready to go on to this tropical island with Holly Hunter. He's packed lightly, but he's grabbed a bunch of magazines at the airport. And you can see it sticking out of his Hudson News bag, a copy of Bill Mazeroski's Baseball, the regional mid-Atlantic edition that had Roger Clemens on the cover for 1987. Next time you see that movie, speaking of baseball movies, which we did recently, Look for that. Just one tiny little element to tell you how important preseason baseball magazines were. And yeah, in recent years, Lindy's and Athlon kind of picking up the torch. But like you said, yeah, they're a little out of date because to, to make it into the CVS and to the King Cullen and wherever one would buy one's magazines these days, you got an early deadline. Now, th- this is a little like Daylight Savings Time. I was having a discussion about Daylight Savings Time with a friend of mine recently. We we're talking about how how nice it is that it's staying light later. And then we'll have that extra hour, you know, second Sunday in March. But then you pay for that because it's going to be darker early in the morning. That's sort of what the, the baseball information universe is like now. You're thrilled that you have all this information now at your proverbial fingertips, that we have smartphones and we have the Wi-Fi to, to find what we want as soon as we need it and we have all kinds of people myself included sometimes who write about hey this is what's going to happen this year you have you and me talking right here that's the the baseball days getting lighter staying lighter longer early in the morning in the darkness we can't go to the newsstand and find anything (laughs) besides lindy's can't find as much it's just the way things have evolved but there is like so much of baseball if you're a baseball fan There's there's such there's a romance attached to the preseason magazine. So to even have one in your hands, even just to flip through it and think, oh, is there anything in here I don't already know? It It almost doesn't matter as long as it's sort of legitimate. You're excited about it. So congratulations, Lindy's. Congratulations on showing up. Ninety percent, one hundred percent of this award was showing up.
0: And that'll do it for this episode of National League Town. We thank you for listening, and we'll be back with more next week. Until then, I'm Jeff Heisen. I'm Greg Prince. And as always, let's go Mets. Copyright 2023. Music provided by the Royal Arctic Institute for new music and tour dates. Check them out on Bandcamp.